never ever expected this brand and this community to grow this fast. No way. When I opened the studios, I was not expecting to make a dollar. When I came back from my teacher training in Rishikesh in India, I hired a local neighborhood center. And I was just like, oh, it'll just be my friends and my family coming, that's fine. And I went and there was all these people that I didn't know. I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. And at the end of my first night, I actually couldn't count the money because it made me nervous. I felt like I was stealing from everyone. My partner, Aaron, actually had to count it for me. I had to get my head around charging for a service. And your time. Yes, and your time, yeah. Welcome to Getting to the Heart of Business, brought to you by The Online Co, where we believe the best way to help small and medium businesses grow is by putting people first. I'm James Palmwell, and today you'll hear what's probably the most colourful business story we've had on the podcast so far. Annika Sagi is the owner of a busy network of yoga studios in Western Sydney called Nin Yoga. Her studios are quite literally an explosion of colour. If you go to our Facebook group, you can see a few photos. But besides that, her journey into business is colourful and fascinating, full of twists and turns and important lessons. My co-host and marketing pro is Jess Caluso. G'day, Jess. Hey, James. Do you have any uh, party tricks? Uh, I've got it. I've look. I've got one. I learned how to juggle. Wow. Yeah, I learned practicing with oranges when we're cutting down an orange tree. Oh no, mandarins actually. Mandarins. <laughs> okay. Um, what about gymnastics? You ever done gymnastics? I have. I have. So I um I went to a sports high school that actually had a full on like proper high level competitive gymnasium in it. So we had one of those massive foam pits. Yeah. So people do their tricks and things along beams and then jump and fall into a foam pit. Um, is that as fun as it looks? It is more fun than it looks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> looks yeah. incredible. Yeah, it is so good. <laughs> and was it safe or were people hurting themselves? Look, it was safe for the most part, but there were definitely a few students who didn't go back into the gymnasium because there were a few broken bones over the years. Oh dear. Right. <laughs> yeah. Things went south. Yes. What about your circus tricks, James? Uh, well, I did uh, I did gymnastics when I was five at Riverston High School. And one day my dad forgot to pick me up afterwards and then I never went again. Oh, <laughs> what could have been? <laughs> I, could have, I could have competed in the, yeah. in the Sydney Olympics, but no. It's the full extent of my gymnastics oh. experience. Well, Annika's entry into the yoga business involved a bit of dabbling in the circus arts, a bit of gymnastics. There's also a stint running a video game arcade. Uh, she took an adventure to India and had the usual COVID disaster that we all had. I'll let her tell the rest of the story. Annika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Now, your journey into yoga and business is pretty unconventional. Lots of stepping stones. And the first, unexpectedly, is working in a video game arcade. <laughs> How'd that get started? Hmm, so before I dived into this world, I was actually obsessed with Japanese culture. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, I would regularly go to the video game arcade and I just loved it there. So I asked for a job. I was the first female that they hired at the time. I was a party host and from there I just worked my butt off till I made it as store manager. I think at 18, as soon as I okay. turned 18, they made me store manager. What was your favorite game? It was originally Dance Dance Revolution, which okay. is the dancing game, but then I really fell in love with Drum Mania, which is the drum game. 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, and also piano keys, so music related. Yeah, so ones. physical games right yeah. from the start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us how your career progressed there. In the video game arcade? Yeah. Initially, it was a family owned business. Uh, Lindy, who I still think of with a very warm heart to this day, um, sort of took me underneath her wing and taught me all the ropes of the business, all the back end, and just really had faith in me. And I think that yeah, I lovely. really looked up to her right away. I didn't find that in school. In school, I sort of skipped a lot and didn't really care for it too much. But when I started getting into the workforce and Lindy took me underneath her wing, um, I just did everything I could to be the best employee and manager I could be. So she brought me right up to store manager as soon I was, I guess, of age. Yeah, and how old were you then? I think I was 18 when she promoted me to store manager. Store manager, manager. Yeah. that's a year after a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I did work really hard though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I And to... you worked there for a while, right? Yeah, um, I got my long service leave. I think in total, I keep changing the number because obviously I don't really know, but I think in total <laughs> it's around 12 years, maybe 14. Okay, so you had some big goals there, but it didn't quite pan out the way you expected. Yeah, well, um, I loved working under Lindy, but when she sold the company to Macquarie Bank and they became, you know, like a big... They became big, corporate. Yes, yeah. they became corporate. Um, I sort of used that as an opportunity to re-look at what I was doing and my role. I never wanted to leave Lindy and... When she sold the company, I stepped down to part-time a little bit and gave Flight Center a try. Absolutely hated that. Went back to my <laughs> management role. And then they kind of saw something in me too and started sending me around to a lot of different sites, setting up the video game arcades and buying the stock as the prizes and really teaching the company about the customer. So um, yeah. I think the point of difference I had was that I was also a gamer and yeah. I also understood the customer. So you were the customer. Yes, yeah. I was the customer. And I think that's a lot of the time what they were missing and still missing sometimes to this day. And I still take that philosophy now into this business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I worked really, really hard towards, my dream was to like fly around Australia and set up video game arcades. But unfortunately the role I was working towards was given to someone else and I trained that person, which is totally fine. Actually a blessing in disguise because I was able to get the balls to leave the company and go on my own. <laughs> okay. Now, did, did you think it was a blessing at that point? No, no, no definitely you've, you've not. You've come to that decision I felt, later. Yes, I felt like they were traitors at yeah. the time and I was very, very angry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very blessed now, so I'm very thankful. For yeah, I, I, I love that because uh, often these things happen and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck um, you. <laughs> yeah, and in hindsight, you go, wow, if that awful thing hadn't happened, mm. uh, my life wouldn't be as it is. Yeah, I, when you're in a role like that, and I can see it happening even now with this role that I'm in today, uh, we tend to identify so much with our work to the point where when we wake up in the morning, we already become our work. So it's sometimes really difficult. It was really difficult for me to leave that role as, you know, manager of a video game arcade until I was put in that sort of awkward position where I had to like think fast mm. and pivot. So, yes, we're human beings, not human doings, aren't we? Yeah. We sometimes <laughs> get that one mixed up. Um, now, circus arts came onto the scene. How did you get into circus art? So 
a little bit of a personal story and you can cut this out if it's not appropriate. Sure. <laughs> um, my whole life, as, since I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to move and be creative and just express myself, but I wasn't really sure how to do that. Um, I told my mother I wanted to do dancing, but because she's from central Thailand, in Thailand, dancing are for bar girls. So that was definitely not allowed. Yeah. Okay. yeah so, um, and then I dated a few guys at the time and they were the controlling type and they were like, don't do dancing or uh-huh. like, don't like go try new things. I was like, okay. Um, left all those losers, of course, as you do. <laughs> <Well done>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and first thing I wanted to do was try pole dancing. So I was just like, I was going to do the most extreme thing I can find out there. Tried pole dancing. Absolutely fell in love. It was so, so fun. Um, but at that pole dance studio, they actually had circus equipment. So I gave that a go too. And that's really stole my heart. It was something that I for once felt like I could really just not plan and I can just let go and just be in the moment and just pick up my own body weight and yeah, get out of my head. So from there, um, I was training a lot, maybe five, six times a week, end up costing 200, $300 a week in training. Yeah. That's serious. Yeah. 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 Super expensive, not sustainable. So the only way to afford it is to teach it instead. Okay. Yep. So I was like, very, well, very clever. Yes. Very clever. Yep. Yeah. So I started telling all the, t- um, everyone that worked at the studios, I'm going to teach this one day. So just let me know if you need help with anything. Yep. Um, yeah, and then it was a huge pay cut, so I never took the jump, but obviously when that happened in my corporate world, where I lost the role I was working towards, I decided to just drop everything, take a humongous pay cut and just teach circus and that was it. So you were doing the circus arts whilst working? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then the work's gone and, yeah. and then you kind of uh, pushed out the nest, so to speak. Yeah, so before I opened my own businesses, I was just a contractor, a contractor teacher. I would travel to lots of different studios and teach lots of different disciplines. So I worked very hard in that role as well in the sense of learning as many disciplines as I can so I could get lots of back-to-back classes and have lots to offer to those studios, yeah. And then the next stepping stone was into yoga. Yes, so um, I knew I wanted to offer something else to my students because... Circus is pretty hardcore on the body. Um, So I was like, okay, either yoga or Pilates. And I steered to yoga because other than the fact that I wanted to travel to India one day, my mother was a Buddhist and I always knew I had this spiritual side to me that I never tapped into. So I was just like, maybe yoga is the way to go. So I flew to India and did my yoga teacher training with only a few hours of actual yoga experience under my belt. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So you didn't really know what it was no, all about yeah. hell no <laughs> but you wanted to go to India it was a, yeah. it was a trip it was an adventure yeah and you, so you spend a month like living uh, in the school learning how to teach yoga so it's like 12 hour days wow yeah just learning all the aspects of the philosophy and all that stuff okay so you, you still teach the circus on the side with your Maya movement so your main business is Nin Yoga yes and you have a separate brand called Maya movement which does the, yeah. the circus yeah yeah, so um, my movements um, opened October last year. So just after we were able to reopen from all the COVID, I decided to open another studio just to sort of, I don't know, punch COVID in the face and yeah. be like, <laughs> Good and we were just so excited to see the community again. And I wanted to gift them something that was awesome to get them out of their house. You know, I was like, how about let's just create this crazy studio that has like hula hooping and weightlifting and like, circus and calisthenics and everything um because 
what COVID really taught all of us is, well, in my community anyway, is that um, we really need community as human beings. We're social creatures mm. and just getting into our bodies as well. Well, of COVID, people, I don't know about everyone else, but a lot of my friends were just like sitting at home drinking. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that was the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just Netflix binging. So, yeah, it was good to get everyone out of their bodies, into their bodies, sorry. Yeah. Did you um, see yourself as a business person prior to launching this? Uh, Did you grow up dreaming of being a business person? <laughs> I always knew as a kid that I was going to create something. Okay. I didn't know what. Um, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. My brand was going to be called Rainbow Flavor and it was going to be incredible. Um, <laughs> but other than that dream, my mother, she did own a bridal shop um, in Windsor. Right. Yeah, so she owned that shop for maybe 14 or 15 years and I worked there every weekend pretty much the whole time it was open. They were all called Top Fashion. So okay. my mum is Thai, so broken English, super Asian name, but she like, I don't know, she did really well there for yeah. a little bit, but um, bricks and mortar retail is tough. Oh, and well. I learned a lot from her mistakes. Okay. Yeah, that's probably where a lot of it came from. So your mum's a business person? My mum's always been an entrepreneur. Like right. when you're not educated and you come, um, from a third world country, what else do you know but to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, you've got to think on your feet. Yeah. You've got to make things happen. Yeah. So was she very inspiring in the way she approached things? Now that I think about it, yeah, she was. Uh, because she kind of always faked it <laughs> till she made it. <laughs> she never asked for permission. She just did what she wanted all the time. Yeah. Yeah, still to this day. And she made it work. Yeah. But through some good and bad times, I suppose. Yeah, well, she just couldn't compete with the online market and the weddings and bridal and that whole industry is just, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's in, very competitive. Yeah, it's intense. and But even, you know, sometimes you get the bridezillas as well and that's really <laughs> intense too. So um, at that moment, I knew I never wanted to work in yeah, bridal. Okay. You've, <laughs> yeah. done your, you've done your time then. Yeah, so, yeah. So when you're in the process of going into business... Did you have friends kind of saying, oh, shouldn't do that, you'll never make any money? Yeah, well, it's not like they ever said you shouldn't do that, but they just couldn't see what I saw, I think. Um, I grew up in pretty much all the suburbs that the studios are in now, and I felt like I really knew the people, I felt one with them, and I felt like this is what we all needed. Um, there wasn't any other studios around, some people will say that that was for a reason, but I think it's just because um, no one gave it a crack, really. Um, initially, I thought that it must be very difficult to have your own space, because otherwise, why wouldn't all the other yoga teachers and circus teachers do it? But I just like looked into it and just went on commercialrealestate.com. I looked up St. Mary's. Wow, this one's cheap. I inspected it. Oh, okay, this is the bond pay it wow <laughs> i have a thing now go. yes well you sound a lot like your mum she would have done things like that too wouldn't she yeah let's, let's do this yeah yeah so with that mindset though in the back of my head i always had this um little creeper that makes me think that maybe one day you know the small business police are going to be at my door and be like ah oh, you forgot to pay like this massive tax bill that you don't know exists or something <laughs> like i don't like i just started paying bass i'm just figuring out my PLs now yeah. which is awful like um so i'm just yeah I'm, I'm still learning every day um i never ever expected 
this brand and this community to grow this fast. No way. When I, when I opened the studios, I was not expecting to make a dollar and I still am on minimum wage because I choose to invest all profit back into the business, which I think is a good move. Well, I think a lot of business people do that. We've we've certainly done that. And, and people uh, maybe, I don't know if they're embarrassed to say it or they just are humble and don't say it, but Mm. they're often just plowing all their profits back into the business to to let it grow and to keep it safe, to keep their staff safe. Yeah, 100%. You've got to keep looking after your people and your community. Yeah. But you knew your market, right? So you've lived here in Western Sydney a long time. Yeah. You knew who was here. Yeah. So you weren't taking kind of a giant leap out into the dark. You knew that people wanted to do yoga. We're sitting in Penrith now. You knew there were people in Penrith that wanted to do yoga. And... Uh, the studios weren't here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, sort of tested the waters initially um, when I came back from my second round of teacher training in Rishikesh in India. I came back and I hired a, a local neighborhood center for $24 an hour. So that was my first sort of like dive into doing it on my own. Um, yeah, got the keys, hired that. And all I did, I think at the time, was make a public Facebook event. Yep. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, um, it'll just be my friends and my family coming. That's fine. And I went, and it was all these people that I didn't know. And I was like, how did you guys know about this? And like, oh, Facebook told us. I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. Yeah. Um, and I remember I charged $10 a, $10 a head cash. And at the end of my first night, I actually couldn't count the money because it made me nervous. Like, I felt like I was stealing from everyone. My partner, Aaron actually had to count it for me um, and deposit it for me because I just couldn't accept it because it was really, um, it's, I had to get my head around charging for a service. So it's like this invisible product. Yeah. Yeah. And like my skill as a teacher. And your time. Yes. And your time. Yeah. I know that now, but at the time it was very strange. Now, and I think a lot of people wrestle with that. What Mm. is my time worth? Yeah. Because I've, uh, washed the dishes for my parents for the first 20 years and they, I did, they didn't pay me anything so my time's just worthless isn't it no um when you go and work in a job mm. you pay, get paid for your time yeah 100%. that's what you're getting paid for yeah it's no different yeah but um all of a sudden it's your name on the door and it's your business and yeah <laughs> all yeah. that pressure comes down yeah it always goes back as well especially in the yoga industry um a lot of teachers and i definitely have it as well um suffer from imposter syndrome so just especially with a subject like yoga that's to a lot of us so sacred and so vast we never we never feel like we have the authority to even share it or even that we have the permission to um but yeah, we just have to keep on going. I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you tell me the difference between like the traditional yoga mm-hmm. student that you see online versus your students? That <laughs> you found yourself quite a, a different breed. Oh yeah. So traditional yoga students, as in. Like, so often you get a bit of a stereotype of it's usually middle-aged. Oh, middle-aged white women women in Lululemon tights. I remember that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) How do I... I, um, You've somehow managed to open the doors to everyone. Yeah, well, um, I answer all inquiries and we often get inquiries by men asking if they're allowed to come to yoga. And this really baffled me. I was like, what do you mean if you're allowed to come to yoga? Originally, yoga was only for men. Like, of of course you can come. Like, it's fine. Um, 
then I came to realize that there's this stereotype, especially in, in uh, the Western world. So in Eastern, it's completely different. But in the Western world, it's stereotyped that yoga is maybe for like rich, upper class, maybe fair skinned, like women in expensive yoga clothing. Um, so I, another question I get asked often is, what clothes do I need to wear? Like, um, you know, is a specific uniform? And I literally teach yoga in what I'm wearing now, like in this, sometimes I look a bit homeless, but <laughs> in like just gypsy clothes or whatever I want. Um, so yeah, uh, I kind of made it a goal of mine to break this stereotype. And I got a head start um, in Western Sydney, actually, because in Western Sydney, they didn't, they didn't really know this stereotype too much. I know in like maybe the Eastern suburbs, this is the stereotype they're very, very familiar with, but in Western Sydney, we were able to just bring in anyone who was willing to give it a try. And I don't know if I'm being biased because I grew up in Western Sydney, but I, don't know, I, I love the people of Western Sydney. They are so open-minded. They're so down to earth. There's no hidden agendas. They're just there to just be. And one of our main focus for all, all the reception staff and the teachers, I tell them all the time is just to make sure everyone feels as welcome as possible to call them by first name with the receptionist specifically, like they have lots of tasks that they need to do, but I tell them their number one role is actually to chat to the students. Yeah. yeah, just get to know them and remember that story and yeah. continue to follow up with them, you know, like become their friend. Um, and with me as well, I actually, and some people will dis disagree with this tactic, but I actually look at everyone at the yoga studio like a good old friend, like literally. Yeah. I love being there. I feel like I'm just socializing and hanging out with my people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, cool. So tell me, yeah. tell me what your business looks like at the moment. How many locations? How many staff? All the information about how you're going at the moment. Yeah. Um, so we opened uh, late September 2017 with Nin Yoga St Mary's. I quickly got pregnant by accident, as you do. Yes. <laughs> um, and in that moment. Um, I had to decide, was I going to grow my business or was I just going to like, let it be static and just focus on, you know, being a mum. And then I was like, why can't I have both? So <laughs> great question. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think, um, and I love my mum, but she always drilled into my head when I was growing up that once you have kids, your life is over and that's stuck in my head and still to this day. Um, but I was just like, no, I'm going to prove like, I don't know, I guess prove whoever wrong and show my daughter's name is Maya show Maya that you can be like a boss mum and still like rock it I talk to business owners every day about their marketing and the consistent feedback is that they feel lost in the digital marketing world usually they've got someone to have a go at some SEO Google Ads or social media but they often don't know what work is even being done and they can't see any results this is where our team and I can help with our digital marketing playbook over the past 10 years, we've designed a process to help you achieve your business goals by speaking to the right people at the right time with the right message. We analyse your competitors, create the unique voice you should use in the marketplace, map out your customer's path to purchase, and then create expert search, social media and nurture strategies to attract the right people to your business. This is all underpinned by our belief that the best digital marketing puts people first. If you need help to get your marketing on the straight and narrow, why not drop us a line at theonlineco.net 
You can have a quick chat to one of our team to see how we can best support you in growing your business. Yeah, so opened in Yoga St Mary's uh, September 2017. Got pregnant and two weeks before Maya was born, I opened Nin Yoga Blacktown. So Blacktown was actually where I managed the video game arcade. Oh, right. So I was very drawn to Blacktown. Yeah. Uh, Blacktown has a very dense population and still no yoga studio, which I found really... Is that right? Yeah. Crazy, right? So you, you've just found a gap. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, open Nin Yoga Blacktown. And at the time, I thought that the students would share their membership because all the studios, you can share a membership. So I thought they would travel between St. Mary's and Blacktown. But what I then started to learn is that people won't travel like sometimes more than 10 minutes max to a yoga studio. There's an American study yeah. that says they won't travel more than eight minutes by car or by foot to a yoga studio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when I opened up Blacktown, I actually was starting a whole new community, which I didn't realize. And that, that was difficult at first. Um, because Blacktown is very different to St. Mary's. It's only like 25 minutes up the road, but it's just, I don't know, the community works different. How, um, was, how was it difficult? The council aren't as friendly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was much more hidden there. There was no walk-by traffic at all. Oh, your location yeah, was yeah. hidden. Yeah, and that's still the most expensive rent I pay. Wow. Yeah. So, but I really wanted to open in Blacktown. So I did that anyway, and now I had that community. After that... I opened in Yoga Mount Jewett. So I have lived in Mount Jewett in the past before. I was speaking to a friend who wanted to open his own physio practice. So I started investigating in commercial properties for him. Came across uh, the Mount Jewett site and sent it to him. I was like, this place is incredible. Like it was on Gumtree. The photos were so shit. Um, but I was like, trust me, this is an epic spot. Like I bet behind those blinds is all glass window and it's just like beautiful and so sacred. Um, but yeah, he wasn't interested. I went and looked at the site and I was like, <sighs> looks like it's going to have to be an in yoga. Yeah. And often you don't um, get to, I always like to think that, um, with every site, I'm never really ready. The site finds me. Yeah. And then I just go in, into that moment. I just take the deep dive and just take that as a sign of the universe. If that doesn't, not too woo-woo. Um, so yeah, opened Nin Yoga Mount Jewett. Um, yeah, and then COVID happened. March 23rd, we closed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so closed everything. Yes, had to close everything. I remember when I found out, I just finished uh, relaying the floors for Blacktown. Well, my partner was, I was supervising. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, found out we had to close and that no one would see those floors. I didn't know for the next three and a half months. Yeah. Yeah, so that was an extremely challenging time in the sense that it was completely unexpected for me anyway. There's a few business owners out there who like knew that it was coming, that we were going to be closing, but I sort of went down the path of like just being in denial and be like, no, we're not going to come. It's not going to close us. They can't close us. It's never happened yeah, before. Yeah. 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 So we closed and in 24 hours, I pivoted the whole business to be online. So now we have an online platform. Okay. So how'd moment. you do that? I borrowed a camera off someone borrowed a mic off another someone and then just started recording the teachers and then learned 
uh, Adobe Premiere Pro, which is really hard program to learn. It <laughs> <laughs> was just like so tricky. Oh my gosh. Um, so somehow learned that and just started editing videos. And every day I uploaded a new video. So that was, um, so I did that for the members who stayed on with their direct debit membership. So we lost heaps of members, of course, because we're not providing the service anymore, but I was able to keep a bunch of them and still keep my teachers with work by providing these videos every day and sort of keeping the community engaged, chatting with them like on social media or privately or whatever. Like I just, every day I did that. Um, and that was very exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It was very tricky um, on my family as well. Cause obviously Maya was very little and I was just never home. And if I was home, I was editing videos, but shit happens, eh? It's just gotta do what you gotta do. Well, yeah, you pushed pretty hard to keep your business alive. Yeah, well, I love the community. Yeah, and, and to help the, help people, yeah. But yeah, to, they need it more than ever. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, because they're sitting watching Netflix drink a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, we needed more than ever just to continue to do yoga and continue to support each other however possible. We were all going down a hole a little bit in a way. I mean, helping people seems to be a big motivation of yours. Well, that's how I measure the success of my business, not okay. by the money. Yep. Yeah. Just tell me more about that. Yeah, well, I've started to meet other business owners and I've noticed that a lot of businesses are measured just by, you know, the, the profit and loss or how much money is coming in or all these type of things. And instead, I've just decided to measure my business as to like how many humans I get to know, how many stories I get to hear and yeah so that's all really in the end our business strategy is really simple which is just like finding connection with all those yeah people in front of us i mean i, I think helping people is such a terrific strategy for growing a business we, we always say um the best way to grow a small or medium business is to put people first oh of course what else yeah. do you put first <laughs> well, no, you can put the money first oh, yeah, you can put all sorts yeah. of things first yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah you can put the your products mm. first there's a whole bunch of things you can do mm. and take your eye off people and go south but mm. in terms of marketing mm. if you can help people mm. for free mm. a bunch of them will turn into paid oh 100 and you get the sort of double blessing of helping all these people for free mm. and it's great and you get paid as well it's like it's a, yeah. it's a win-win oh yeah 100 percent. i i really feel like i found my dharma so like my life's purpose through this business um yeah just helping people whether they can pay for a membership even during covid lots of people obviously lost their jobs so they had to cancel their membership but we made sure as they were cancelling their membership we still gave them access to everything yeah because just because yeah awesome. why not that's just how it you're was. making it anyway yeah yeah and did they come back yeah oh yes they they came back yeah of, yeah of course and they, they may did. not have yeah if you didn't look after them yeah you don't know do you yeah yeah just gotta keep putting them in front of your mind yeah always so we're, we're talking marketing now what, what sort of marketing <laughs> strategies uh. do you use <laughs> marketing uh i'm so terrible at this subject i feel <laughs> anyway <laughs> um i feel like our biggest marketing strategy if it is one is word of mouth yeah yeah absolutely yeah, is. yeah 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 I, um, I have dabbled into putting money into like boosting posts and paid ads here and there, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm just donating money to Facebook and Instagram. So I just left it as organic posts 
and just learnt instead how to be more engaging with my wording and with my content. Mm. And that's been doing better than, for me than any paid post I've upped by $120. Yeah. For sure, yeah. So, so what are you posting? Are you posting um, like little lessons or little tips and tricks or...? Um, I have tried that strategy and um, even though I do feel like they do serve people and we still do do it sometimes, um, what people really want is just to connect with us on a personal level. So maybe they can learn about our teachers or about different yoga poses, but really it's more about the insight as to the why of this business. What, what, what is the content that you post? Yeah, well, the last post I made this morning was of that, of Prue, the dog, yep. <laughs> outside. And I talked about how we have a day bed next to our new community library. And then if anyone has any books they want to donate, because we all love hoarding books, to throw them our way. Yep. Um, and just, you know, just keeping it simple. And when I create posts, I directly think of the people we serve. Um, so Instagram is our main platform. So rather than selling on Instagram, I always think of how we can serve instead. Our website does the selling for us. Mm. And if people want to spend money with us, they'll go to the website. But I think people see enough selling on social media. So in the end, I just want to serve those people in front of us. Um, yeah, and just hang out with them, I guess. And yeah. yeah, I get people like yesterday, I had someone sign up to our online platform from Western Australia just because <laughs> they liked our vibe. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, wow, that's so cool. You know, and I have people from like Switzerland. Like, how did they find us? Like, I don't even know. Um, yeah, I've actually had someone ask me recently what our unique selling point is. And I'm still like this morning, I was trying to think about it again. I was like, I don't bloody know. I don't know what our unique selling point is. I know we have one. But I can't put my finger on it just yet. Sounds like it's community to me. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, that's what I want to think it is. I feel like it's really vague. Yeah, sorry to interject. When you said, what is it? I'm like, I'm 100% community. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, you create. <laughs> Thank you. So this podcast is now turning into a consultancy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I need it. <laughs> oh, that's good, I'm glad, because that's what it's what, all about. Okay, what you're doing organically mm. without training mm. is to say i'm going to post on social media in line with my values mm. and in line with uh, the type of business i want to have mm. you're not overthinking it yeah yeah you're not trying to be too tricky and clever yeah no i'm not very clever well, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say marketing. that. Oh, that's not what I said. It's so easy to get real, trying to get real smart and, yeah. and overthink it and, yeah. and do stuff that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. So we just talk about you, what, what it is you value and try yeah. and create something unique, a community. Yeah, and I think just being ourselves as well, me as a business owner and my teachers and even the students, just being ourselves. Yeah. I, um, you know, there's so many businesses out there that try and be like the you know, super fancy and seem, you know, they have like the best practices and really know how to teach this way and, you know, been doing it for 40 years or whatever. But in the end, like, why? Like, just, just be yourself. Like, that's what people want to connect with. And I think more than ever now after COVID, people just want to connect with other human beings. Like when I started learning Premiere Pro, I edited like some really cool Instagram videos that took me like all day to edit, right? Like making it all fancy. I'll share that and I'll get like hardly any engagement. And then I'll like just talk into the 
phone and just me yabbing on about whatever, just being with my authentic self. Yep. And I'll just like, have like 300 likes and all this like stuff yeah. going on. So I was like, people don't want the fancy stuff. No, they anymore. want real people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's so, so true. Yeah. It's humbling to know that. <laughs> right. So most of the people listening to this podcast are small or medium business owners, mm. um, busy people working yes. hard. <laughs> What physical exercise would you recommend? Can you give like one or two things to do before they start work or, or something you'd recommend that they do? Well, I guess the first thing is maybe they can look inwards and think about what they like doing. So some people really like running, but other like I freaking hate it. I think it's stupid. So, you know, what do they like doing? I, I like running. Yeah, there I, you go. <laughs> someone out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm it. I'm the one. You are the running person. I went running this morning. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with me, I actually love to um, like lift my own body weight. That's always something that's been really like organic for me. Just yeah. like, I don't know, I guess it's called like calisthenics or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah so... Okay, so you, think about something you like doing. That's yes, that's yes. I, don't make it like you have to work out. That's so out. obvious. Yeah. But like, again, we overthink things, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I so I like doing chin ups, right? So I used to put a chin up thing in my doorway, and every time I walked through the door, I'd be like, "Okay, got to do five. and that was just simply that, yeah. you know. Or like my lunch break, I go roller skating sometimes. I used to love ice skating, so I bought some roller skates to sort of pick that habit up again. Um, so just figure out what you like doing, maybe not in this moment, maybe not in the past 10 years, but maybe as a kid. What do you feel really drawn to? And like, try and ignite that again. And then I guess just make time to do it. Yeah, or definitely. find other people that like it as well. Yeah, finding other people that like doing it is awesome, but sometimes you just can't rely on others. <laughs> You're just going to do it yourself. So um, doing it in the morning or doing it before you can talk yourself out of it is really handy. Okay. Yeah, so that's why working out in the morning is really useful because you just wake up and before you can start talking yourself out of it, you just start putting on those skates and just get outside. Say if I'm going to do an online yoga class in the morning... I will pick the yoga class I'm going to do the night before. So I wake up in the morning and just put it on rather than scrolling and just deciding and then being like, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm not doing this anymore. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to eat this bagel and yeah. scroll on my phone. So, and you don't need to do a lot. You know, our classes range from 45 minutes to 90 minutes, but really just 10, 15 minutes a day is fine. You know, we spend that much time just figuring out what we're going to have for lunch. Yeah. You know, so why not instead? Well, yeah, 10, 10 minutes is better than zero minutes, isn't yes, it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and maybe 10 minutes turns into 20 minutes over time. Oh, yeah. 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 As you get better at it, you yeah. enjoy it more. If that happens organically, like, that's awesome. You know, it's not forced at all. You don't really want to... I try not to force too much these days, if I can. Mm. Yeah. Tell me about balancing being a mum with a small child and running a business and working hard. <laughs> How do you get all of that together? Hmm. Well, so, so Maya is two years and three months at the moment. Um, I'm still figuring this out. It's very tricky. <laughs> um, I'm transitioning in the moment to not teach any evening classes anymore because she started daycare. So I really want to at least be there for dinner if I can be. Yep. So I'm sort of pivoting everything now to just get everything done while she's at daycare and then transitions into school. So when you become a parent, well, for me anyway, it just gave me laser focus and figuring out what I need to do and what's a priority and just cutting out all the other bullshit, you know? Um, yeah, I, I thought it would be more difficult to run a business, 
Um, and now I think being a mother is actually my superpower in running this business yeah, for right. sure, because now I know what I want and now I'm not like fighting around and just guessing. I'm just like, we're going this way and then we go that way and then we're going to make heaps of mistakes and that's fine. We'll just keep falling forward. All yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, what's your plans for the future? Hmm. So this Saturday, I'm going to open this studio, which pen, is pen pen yeah, in Yoga Penis. This is um, studio number five. Um, from there, I would like to get back into events. So uh, we used to host a yearly art exhibition um, to exhibit local artists. I love to um, support the music industry as well. So get some local gigs out here as well. If the council will let me. Great. Yeah, because it's a perfect place for it. Um, and I would like to, people will think I'm crazy. And if my partner listens to this, his heart will probably sink, but I want to continue opening studios. Yeah. Like why not? I can still continue to see these gaps. I'm listening to my students. They're telling me what they want and I want to serve it to them. And I really enjoy doing it. Like I love it. Awesome. Yeah. That was Annika Sagi and you can find more about her at ninyoga.com.au. So Jess, uh, social media is pretty pivotal to her growth strategy. Yeah, it's so critical, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, what, what were your thoughts on what she's doing? I, lo- I really love how Annika is just so authentic and genuine in what she is posting on social media. So she, she's just being herself and her community are buying into that and people who are doing yoga identify with the things that she's saying and how she's saying it and what she's posting and how she's posting and that's why it's working yeah so there's this myth that you need to do high quality video and everything needs to be perfect i mean it needs to be clear and it needs to be kind of reasonable that's it but it doesn't it doesn't have to be a big hollywood production no, like, not at all you know i think one of the last posts i saw that she had posted was of a, a studio dog that they've got yeah you know like none of it's selling to people it it's all just about creating community and her just authentically speaking to her community and that's why it works so well for her she's also got a pretty pretty pointy offer she's got a great offer so she's got an offer it's do a two-week trial for one dollar so if you can imagine that you you've never done yoga before so, and, and full disclosure, my mum and I are actually customers yes, or clients yeah. of Annika's and, and <laughs> took up this offer. So, okay. you know, my mum did a Google search and it'd be good to get your thoughts actually on the importance of local search and you sort of Google my business listings around that. But, you know, my mum did a Google search, come across the yoga studio, came across the offer and took up the offer. And three years later, um, there's, there hasn't been many classes that she's missed. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So it really reduces the risk, doesn't it? It, it In does. In my worst case scenario, I absolutely hate this and I've lost a dollar. I've lost that's, a dollar. That's my downside risk. Yeah. People are looking for something to do or some exercise or looking for community. Hey, I'll give it a go. Yeah. And, and she even said, you know, she's told other yoga studio owners to do this right. offer because yeah. it, it is the one that works and, and they aren't doing it and they're not seeing the same growth and rewards that she is. So, I mean, hats off, keep doing it. Yeah, so w- when we talk about the marketing funnel, she's really just educating and getting people to know her in the community yeah and then at the bottom of the funnel she's just got a really simple uh call to action yeah one dollar for two weeks yeah so i did touch on just before about google my business and local listings so i'd like to get your thoughts around that like the importance of that so people are searching that's the facts they're in google so you need to set up your google my business 
A lot of people do that, uh, but you just need to make sure the settings are right. So Annika was saying that people won't drive, won't drive more than 10 minutes to uh, go to a local yoga studio. And I think that makes sense. When you're going to Woolworths or something like that, there's a limit to how far you're going to drive. That's right. Some yeah. of these things, you just need to keep them local. So you can, you can set that up on Google My Business. Uh, so then when people are looking for yoga studio near me, it comes up in that little lo- local pack, the little three websites with the map on it. It's called the local pack. The other thing you can do is just to optimize for your area. So you can say yoga Mount Druitt or yoga Blacktown or yoga St. Mary's. Mm. Just make sure you've got a page for each of the locations. Okay, so a page on your website yeah. for each location. Yeah, yeah and then make sure the, the big H1 title on there is... That keyword, like Blacktown Yoga or Yoga Blacktown, uh, your meta title and some of those things, and you uh, give yourself a chance of being in the mix of being mm. found. So a few simple steps, and you can really then show up and, and take advantage of all that local traffic. That, That's right. As you said, people are searching yep. for you know, yoga near me or different sports near me or exercise gyms near me that type of thing yeah that's right and then the seo process is really about competing with the other people in your market so it's possible there's another 40 people competing for that one keyword Mm. in your local area and then how do you give google a better result than that that's where it gets a bit more advanced yeah uh but you take that first step and see if it's enough it might be it might be yeah yeah Coming up next week, if you cast your mind back to the 90s, you might remember seeing t-shirts and bumper stickers plastered with the word attitude. Those were the products of a global t-shirt slogan company started in Australia by a young guy named Justin Herald. He's our guest on next week's podcast. Justin went on to sell the attitude brand and these days he's a highly sought after speaker and trainer through his company Customer Culture, where he teaches businesses how to have success through great customer service. Stay tuned for that episode next Monday. This episode of Getting to the Heart of Business was brought to you by The Online Co. It was produced by Claire Bruce, the music by Harry Parnwell. You can find us at theonlineco.net. If you found this helpful, we'd love you to share this with someone. Please feel free to subscribe to us, leave a review and come and join the conversation on our Facebook group.